morning. How are you guys? Bobby's ready. <laughs> Let's stand and worship together this morning. song. I love that, you know, God isn't finished yet. Isn't that awesome? 
He's not finished yet. He started something, and he's going to see it all the way through to completion. And I'm just so grateful for that. So, um, so thank you, worship team, for that that awesome song. Hey, you know, we just like to welcome everyone to Salem Fields this morning, and uh, and um, all of you who are worshiping online, we're glad that you're with us. And you know, it's a great time to check into Facebook, let people know where you're worshiping at this morning. You know, it's not too late for people to still get here. They can, you know, take their time coming in this morning, or even you can encourage people to worship online this morning. So I encourage you all to pull out your phones. Right now, this is a participation part where you take your phone out, you check into Facebook and let people know, hey, we, we, want, we want you to know how to worship with us today. You know, because that's where people will check first. And so check into Facebook today. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, hey, thanks for braving the weather and coming out and joining us on this rainy day. Um, and we just want to um, wanna connect with you. So if you want, would, if you stop at the first-time guest table, um, if you haven't already, and receive your gift. We have a little bag of goodies for you, and we want, we want you to connect there, fill out a connection card. And we'd like to get your feedback on what your impression was when you first came in the door to Salem Fields this morning. And then for everyone else and, and all of us, uh, we want you to connect with us still continually through your connection card and I know you hear that every week but the connection card is so vital because we won't we want to know how we can best serve you as your church as pastors and staff so we encourage you please take out that connection card fill it out let us know what your prayer requests are if you, there's things going on in your family of uh, upcoming surgeries we want to be there to serve you and this is a way to stay connected to us even if you're worshiping online fill out that connection card right at the top of your screen there's a tab there and you can fill that out and uh, and let people know that you know how we can best serve you as your pastors. And it's also a great way to stay connected to what's going on at Salem Fields because you can opt into our e-news, which happens every week, that has all of our upcoming events and different things that are going on. During our next song, um, we're going to take our morning tithes and offerings. And if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, just sit back, relax, and, and, and enjoy the service. You know, you don't have to, don't feel pressured into giving in the tithes and offerings. But for, for all of us that call Salem Fields Community Church, the tithe is so, so very important. Because it's what's brought into the storehouse that God then can turn around and use into our community. That's how ministry is conducted here at Salem Fields. And, and when, we, when we're not putting in our tithes, then we're kind of, we're kind of robbing God of, of what he wants to do in our community, and, and God tests us in our area of tithes, you know, um, I'm not saying it's all easy and, and everything, you know, we've been faithful tithers um, since uh, since we've been married, and um, and uh, probably, Jody was probably before that, and, and I know what, God's never gone without taking care of us, um, you know, it doesn't mean things go easy, but God's promised us that, and, if, and that comes through the tithes, and so we can test them in that, the Bible says, and there's a lot of ways you can give in your tithe and offering today. The ushers will come by in a few moments. You can put a check or cash in the in the in the bucket as it goes by. You can go out to our giving kiosk and uh, give give out there, um, and uh, also out there giving kiosk in the lobby. Uh, you'll see the uh, there's a card that you can give by automatic withdrawal, and that would just uh, you know it comes out every month and um, and on a regular basis and and. Uh, and it's a great way to give. And then if you have the Salem Fields app, you can give through there. And well, as if you're worshiping online, you can give through the Give tab that's located at the top of your screen. Um, so you don't want to miss out on what God wants to do through uh, blessing you through what your generosity and giving through the tithes and offerings because it does make a huge difference. And, you know, we're, we're a church about ministry and ministry to others is, is one big key uh, uh, part of the vision of Salem Fields Community Church. And that's what exactly what we're going to be doing is we uh, try to help our Blue Star moms. Um, how many of you are familiar with Blue Star? moms and what Blue Star moms are. All right, so for those that don't know, Blue Star moms are mothers and even fathers are included in this, but they, the, the organization called Blue Star Moms, these are, these are mothers that have children that are serving our country um, in the military. 
and, um, and they're an organization that they're all across the uh, the uh, the country. Sometimes you might see um, a house with a blue star on it. That means that they've got a, someone that's in that family in their their home that is uh, a child that's serving our country. Um, and if you come across a blue a gold star mom then that means that they've lost their loved one um, in combat. And so we pray for them. We want to, be, we want to support them. And they, they like to support, make sure that their, their sons and daughters are being taken care of. And we have an opportunity over the past few weeks, we've been talking about it, and there might have been some confusion, but we have an opportunity to partner with Blue Star Moms to make sure that our military uh, service members receive care packages. And um, by Christmas, and um, and there's a list out there in the lobby with the blue boxes. You can bring those in. You don't need to to, to buy everything on the list. You can just bring in some items, and then there's going to be a packing party on November 2nd with the Blue Star Moms. They're trying to send 500 care packages to our to our service members overseas. And um, speaking from experience, there's nothing greater than when mail call is given and you're on deployment and you're somewhere far from home than receiving that care package in the mail. I mean, it lifts, and, and I've seen some of the veterans that are in the room, they're shaking their heads, they're nodding. There's nothing better than opening a box and, and there's some oatmeal cream pies in it from home. Because you know what? In Kuwait, they don't have oatmeal cream pies. And, and you know, it's just the comforts of home. And, and, and it's, it's a morale booster. It brings up the morale of the unit. It brings up the morale of the soldier that's, that's deployed. And, and it makes a difference in their lives. But on the reverse side of that, there's nothing more depressing than being that soldier while everyone else is receiving mail and you're not getting the mail. And, you know, um, and, that, and, and usually when you see that, you're, you're, you care for your brothers and sisters when you're overseas, so you start giving up your care package to, to help others. But we have a chance to sail on fields to make a difference in bringing the morale up on, on those that are serving our country through participating in this, this, uh, this outreach, this ministry. And so, um, please, we, we've only got two weeks left to really bring in supplies. And I think, you know, Salem Fields has always been a generous church when it comes to giving and going out for hurricane relief and that. But you know what? We've got a storm out there in the battle of these lives of these soldiers, and we need, to, we need to supply them with things that can boost their morale. So if you would today, would you go out, get a list next to the blue boxes out in the lobby, and bring in some items over the next couple of weeks to just support them. You can even put letters of encouragement. It will go so far, I, I, I'm, I can't stress it enough, because not only will that make a difference in their lives, showing that there's people in a church in Fredericksburg, Virginia, that cares about them, but that also lets people know these moms that are trying to organize these care packages know that there's a church that cares about their loved ones that are serving our country. So it goes so much further than that. So I, I, I can't stress it enough. That I'm, I'm on my soapbox with it, but it's so important. And I think as a church, we really need to do a great job in filling those boxes. We should, that lobby should be overflowing with uh, the items on that list next week to make sure that we are taking care of those, those, uh, those men and women serving our country. All right, enough on that. So next Saturday, we also have Go Saturday. Um, Go Saturday is a time where we go into our community and we make a difference in our community by serving those. And we're going to serve um, the people that are, uh, that are partnered with hospice. And there's families out there. We're going to deliver some pumpkins. We're going to do some yard work. Um, we're going to chop wood. If you want to be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet out here in the small lobby as you go out these doors. And, or you can just show up here at 8 a.m. on Saturday. And they'll be, we should be done with the projects by 12. Um, 
That's a great way to get out there. It's a great way for you to go and serve with your, your kids, your family, everybody to come be a part of that. Um, and then uh, the next thing you need to know is that some of you have been asking, why aren't we collecting candy? Because we're, caring, we're, we're collecting for care packages. But we're also not collecting for candy because we're not doing trunk and treat this year. And, you know, some of that might come across as a disappointment. But, you know, we realize that we've done trunk and treat a lot of years, and there's lots of trunk and treats going on throughout the community. But we want to be in the community. And so what we're doing this year is we're doing Halloween block parties. We're partnering with people here at Salem Fields, and if you want to be a part of that, you, you can throw a block party, and we'll help you put that together to reach your neighbors and have, have a good time with your neighbors on while kids come by and trick-or-treat. And so we're doing block parties this year, and if you want to find out more information about that, you can connect with Chris or Michelle, and um, they can fill you in on, on that. Um, and then how many of you know that there's a National Day of Pumpkins? I mean, they've got a National Day of everything. I love National Day of Cheeseburgers myself. But um, National Day of Pumpkins is next Saturday, October 26th, is the National Day of Pumpkins. And, and even in Richmond, I saw a sign when I was down there for swim practice this week that says Pumpkin Palooza on, on there. So, I mean, it's, they're going overboard with pumpkins. Um, but next week, next Saturday, it's a great chance, a great opportunity for you to bring friends and families and loved ones to come to Saturday night service. Change your routine up a little bit. I know it might be uncomfortable, but come to Saturday night and be a part of uh, why we celebrate National Pumpkin Day. Um, if you show up at 5 p.m., what we're going to do is we want people to bring in their, their carved pumpkins, their painted pumpkins, and we're going to have a contest to see who's got the best-looking pumpkin. And then we're going to smash them. No, we're not going to smash your pumpkins, but men, we are going to do we are going to do a pumpkin tossing contest. So we're going to try to get like about a five pound, ten pound shot put pumpkin and see who what, what man can t toss it the furthest in the parking lot. And so we're going to have all kinds of games with pumpkins. We're going to have pumpkin food. It's going to be a pumpkin festival. It'll be a, it'll be messy. Um, and, and I'm on vacation, so I don't have to clean it up. Um, so, uh, but it will be a great time uh, for that. We wanted you to sit back. We want you to enjoy what God's got for us today. God bless you all. Change is good. Marie and Katie walked in over on this side and it threw us off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Usually... <laughs> no, hey, we've come, uh, we've come today to uh, talk about a rumor that's going around and uh, we wanted to address that today. The rumor has it that we are leaving and that rumor is true. <laughs> at the end of this year, December 31st, will be our last day of ministry here at Salem Fields Community Church. We're transitioning into whatever God has for us next. We've been here 25 years, and uh, it is time that someone else, uh, someone else's or else, uh, stand in the gap and be the leaders of this church. And so we're excited about that on both sides of the thing, leaving and new person coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, newness that's yeah. coming. We want to reassure you, though, and we want you to. We want to be open to uh, you talking to this. Well, this is not something that we just decided. Of course, we've been in prayer, and we've been asking the Holy Spirit to lead our lives for ever, actually. And this is just a new chapter for us. Uh, quite honestly, I do think that there needs to be younger leadership and uh, so that we can reach young people and we can get this new burst of going forward by faith. But I want to reassure you. We're not what, young? <laughs> well, we're young in terms of Noah and Moses. Yeah. Just a we little are, bit we older are than young. Moses. <laughs> what are you laughing at, I, I can tell you I am thankful that God has given me at this stage of life good health and excitement and an ability to uh, go forward by faith and say, okay, what do you have for me in this chunk of life, God? Don't get to 67 and think that you're done. There is a good chunk to live 
at that point. So we've been working with, uh, for about a year, last October, Buddy and I sensed that this was what we needed to do, and we, um, we began to pray and, and involved our district superintendent and our leadership board, and so we've been working this whole year. Uh, I've been kind of leading the charge on the strategy for, um, we say, Buddy got us into this, I'm getting us out of this. <laughs> That's the case. <laughs> it, it really, it truly is, and it's a good team, right? And it's just a transition, and uh, we know that this is God's church. This has never been a buddy and gay church. God entrusted us to, with a vision for Salem Fields Community Church, and I think we've been good stewards of that, and it's time for us to pass the baton, and you guys have to remember, you are the church. And uh, God, remember when Jesus went to the disciples and he said, now guys, I'm going to leave you, right? And they said, well, what? That's what? what I'm preaching on today. How can we do that? Oh. How can we do that if you're gone? And he said, you don't need to worry. I got this. And he's got Salem Fields Community Church. So we've been working with our leadership board. Uh, now the process is that we're placing it fully in the hands of our district superintendent and our leadership board and God. And then they will make a recommendation and they will bring that to the church body and the members of Salem Fields Community Church will be able to vote on that. And uh, I kind of look at this for myself as being a grandparent. You know, you step out, you don't have the lead role, uh, you don't have a whole lot of power in what happens there, but you pray hard. You're on your knees every morning. And believe me, Buddy and I pray for Salem Fields Community Church every morning, and that will not stop. And so it's just a transition of what's going to happen. We need you to stand in the gap, Buddy. Tell him yeah, about that. Yeah, that's what we need. Uh, we need everyone here to realize that more than ever right now, your church needs you. They need you to stand in the gap. We were our men's advance a few weeks ago, and we had 45 men there, and the men said that they were going to stand in the gap. Well, what's standing in the gap? Well, Bobby and I... Uh, Bobby's our men's guy. He's a man's man's leader. And uh, we talked about that. And Bobby, I added a P to Gap. Give, attend, pray, and participate. In other words, we really need you. You know, it would be the greatest tribute to us if, if uh, you guys will hang around and uh, make this transition as smooth as possible. You know, I was just thinking it would be great if we could start growing uh, during this transition time. And so that would be great support for our leaders. And uh, so we just want you to know that, you know, I've had some people say to me, well, I think we'll leave. And I'm saying, why leave? This is the best time that the church has had in a long, long time. It's a great opportunity for the church. And you don't, you don't want to leave and not be a part of that. So will you make a commitment this morning and say, you can count on me, I'm going to stand in the gap, I'm going to stay here, and we're going to grow this church to be all that God would have it to be, better days than ever. How many of you say, yeah, I'm in? All right. I've asked so many of you, you're not going to leave, are you? And no, we're going to stay put. And I'm telling you, the vision of Salem Fields was to go forward by faith. And that's exactly what we're doing. There is nothing more exhilarating than jumping into the unknown, knowing that God is going to catch you. And that's exactly what's happening here at Salem Fields Community Church. So while it's bittersweet, it's really exciting that God's going to do something really special with this body. Amen. And uh, with us and our lives and for you. And hey, relationships never end, right? We change. The kids go off to college. 
you know, different transitions in home life happens, but the relationship never ends. And that's really what's most important to me. And so we'll see each other in eternity one day, right? But I suspect you'll see us before eternity as well. Yes. We're so gonna we'll take, be in and out. Take a couple months and go away, and then we might just show up again. You know, it is our church. <laughs> so I'm thinking about being a parking lot greeter. And <laughs> I'm going to tithe When here. it doesn't rain or snow, okay? <laughs> I'll be out in the snow. So we love you guys. We're going to continue to worship, and the buckets are going to come by and then stand up.
here with us right now. You promised us, God, that we would, you would never leave us or forsake us. And this morning when we woke up, we woke up to your promises. And they're very much intact. You're here with us now. Father, we thank you so much that you're a good father. We thank you, God, for all the blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you, Father, that we can be in your midst and we can hear from you. And so I pray, Father, that our hearts would be tuned in, that the ears and the eyes of our heart would listen and see, Father, only you, that we'd fix our eyes on Jesus, and that when we leave this place, we will know that we've heard from you. And so, Father, I pray that there would be no distractions that cheat us out of your voice that each one of us would tune in so closely to you that we can almost sense your arms wrapped around us. So, Father, we love you. We're going to give you glory for everything that happens here today. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'll be with Buddy as he shares with us your word and that it would be a double-edged sword, that it would pierce our heart with understanding but with love. And so, Father, we lift you up. We give you glory. It's all about you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. grocery store and he asked the grocer uh, for a box of Dutch detergent. Have you ever, anybody ever use that? 
Y'all not very old, I guess. That looks old, but I'm just telling you, it's a story I read, so I, I couldn't change it to tide. Uh, but the grocer was puzzled and asked why he wanted a box of duds. And the boy said that he was going to wash his cat. And the grocer said, young man, you shouldn't wash your cat with this kind of soap. However, the boy insisted that everything would be okay. A few days later, the boy returned, and the grocer asked about the cat. And the boy said, oh, man, he died. And uh, the grocer said, well, son, I warned you not to wash your cat uh, with that Dutch detergent. And the boy said, the soap didn't hurt him a bit. It was a spin cycle that took him out. <laughs> you know, and it, it's the spin cycle of trouble in our life that sometimes can take us out. It, it, you know, it's not uh, just the life itself, but it's the spin cycle of getting in those, that spin cycle of trouble. We're continuing our series today, uh, The Biggest Butts in the Bible. And, you know, over the weeks, as I, a couple of weeks that I've uh, spoken on this subject, uh, as I studied for these messages, I'm more and more thankful for the big butts in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of big butts in the Bible, and when you read it, begin to pay attention uh, to those. Today's message is taken from a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples and how it would be after his death, death and resurrection and ascension. How it was going to be, what was going to be happening, and the trouble that they would be facing. This conversation begins in John chapter 12 and ends in chapter 16. And I would encourage you at some point to kind of read through those five chapters and to kind of get a sense of what the disciples heard and the troubles that, they, that he talked about would happen. But also there's a lot of wonderful things in there that Jesus said would be happening. There's a big but that ends... Uh, uh, all that uh, today from John chapter 16 that ends that conversation. And it's from verse 33. And uh, that verse says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome this world. Take heart, I have overcome this world. Now there are very few guarantees in life. Very few things that you can be sure of. You know, uh, there is one thing that I know that we can be sure of. The Redskins will not be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a pretty good, uh, if, you, if you're a betting person, no, I don't bet. Anyway, if uh, it, you get it. Uh, for instance, there's no guarantees about the success of the Washington Nationals. I mean, they've had a great run in the playoffs, and they're riding high after their sweep of the tradition-rich St. Louis Cardinals for the National League Championship. Anybody but the Phillies. But anyway, uh, this uh, tradition, I said that for somebody specifically, uh, sweep of the tradition-rich St. Louis Cardinals for the National League Championship. But will they win the World Series? No guarantees. You have no guarantee that you're, that you're going to be financially secure someday. Or if you are, that you're going to stay that way. I mean, you might be financially secure today and, and pray God that it doesn't change, but maybe there will come a time when, you know, you're not so financially secure. Uh, things could go south in a hurry. You have no guarantee about your, your health. You know, you, you could be fit as a fiddle one year and then diagnosed with terminal cancer the next year. No guarantees. 
You may have a great job. I mean, you, you've been uh, with the company for a long time and things are going well, but there's no guarantees that you won't lose that job for some unforeseen reason that may not have anything to do with you. In this message today, there are two guarantees. You see, there are two guarantees. There's no guarantees, I believe, in life uh, outside of the promises of God. If the Bible says it, if God says it, I can believe it, and it's true. But there's no guarantees outside there. There are two guarantees today from our big butt moment and this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples that we're going to look at today. Now, the first guarantee is this. We're all going to have trouble in this life, guaranteed. We're all going to have trouble in this life, guaranteed. Take a listen. I see that worried look upon your face You've got your troubles, I've got mine Please found somebody else to take your place You've got your troubles, I've got Just like you, I sit and watch. 
How many of you were around when that song first came out? Two or three of you. Bill, <laughs> you get that hand up. Does anybody know who sang that song? Huh? Gay sang it, yeah, right. Good job. The fortunes, all right. Anyway, you've got your troubles and I've got mine. You see, whether you're a Christian or not, I guarantee you that trouble is coming, going to come your way. Trouble is something we can expect. Now, you're either going through a trouble today, some kind of trouble in your life today, or you've just gone through some trouble, or trouble is headed your way. Who here today would be honest enough to say, you know what, I have some trouble in my life right now, and you just raise your hand. Anybody say that? All right. How many of you would say, you know what, I've just got through some trouble in my life, just got through it, just right now. All right, yes. So how many of you, I mean, the rest of you better watch out, because it's coming your way. Because we all face trouble in life. Trouble is something we can expect. You see, uh, we just go through some trouble. Jesus tells his disciples to expect trouble. In John 16, 36, again, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. In this world you will have trouble. Now notice something. It doesn't say in this world you might have trouble. Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a certainty. It's going to happen in life. You know, some people that when they first become Christians, they think they gave their life to Christ, and all of a sudden, because they're Jesus, they follow Jesus and they're uh, Christians, that they won't have trouble. We all have trouble. Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. And so we all have trouble. It's guaranteed. If you're in the world, you will have trouble. There are three areas of trouble that we all have, that we all face in life. First, there's trouble that comes from living in a fallen world. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and because we live in a sinful, fallen world, we have trouble. Things just don't work out. You know, our cars and appliances break down, and other things break down. You know, you, uh, you back into your wife's car. You know, I, I did this week. I mean, I was so proud of myself. I mean, how many people back into their own car? And I'll tell you, when you back into your own car, there's a $500 deductible on this car, and there's a $500 deductible on this car. No way around it. I, I even cried on the phone. Didn't, it didn't work. Anyway, uh, you know, storms come. You know, big rains, hail storms, wind storms, and, and they cause damage. And there's flooding and basement leaks and your mower throws a rock through the window. Or, or thieves break in and steal all your stuff. And it costs us money. We have troubles because we live in a fallen world. There's emotional hurt too. You know, people we care about, they betray us. And they break our hearts. People we love, uh, uh, we, see them, uh, uh, we see them suffering and we suffer too. We lose people we love. And we're left to live the rest of our life with, without them. We miss them. Anybody, anybody think of any other trouble that we face in life that you want to say? Yeah? Money? Financial trouble. Yeah. Anybody else? You get sick. I appreciate if you'd move to the back row if that shirt off, if you don't mind. 
<laughs> it's hard to preach up here with a big star looking at you. <laughs> it ain't the star of Jesus either. <laughs> anyway, I am bad. <laughs> That's my trouble right there. You're my trouble. <laughs> Anyone else? Huh? That's right. You got a good heart. Bad team. Anyway. <laughs> Anybody else think of trouble? You know, our, we lose our dream. We had this dream in our life, and we lose the dream. Dream dies. Somebody else say something over here? Children. Children have you have trouble with children? <laughs> we live in a fallen world, you know, and all these troubles we face are simply because we live in a fallen, sinful world. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You've got troubles. I've got mine. The point is, we've all got them in one form or another. These troubles that I just spoke of, they come from the outside. But then there are troubles we bring on ourselves. You know, those foolish decisions we make that we uh, later regret. I mean, I've made so many foolish decisions in my life, and I think, my gosh. And, and, and so I have to suffer the, the uh, consequences, and I regret it. Dumb things. That I do, dumb things that we do that we should have known better if we had just thought. We, we don't listen to the wisdom of trust, trusted people, and later we find out they're right. But more importantly, we disregard and disobey God's word on how he says is the right way to live. You know, that's called sin, and we are responsible for our sin. God gives us guidelines for us to live by for our own good. You know, somehow we think that God gives us all these rules and, uh, you know, these things we need to do and not do and all that. And we think God is some kind of killjoy. But God is our creator. God is our father in heaven. And a good father knows what's best for his children. And when we step outside of that, then we can expect to have trouble in our life. You know, we, we live any way we want, we do what we want, and then we uh, wonder why God didn't protect us. And he's given us an owner's manual right here, his owner's manual. If you, if you live by the owner's manual and what God expects of us to live by, we'll have less trouble in the world when it comes to uh, those troubles we bring on ourselves. Our Heavenly Father knows best how we as his children should live. And when we don't listen and we decide to do our own way, we have trouble. We all do this. But then there's trouble that Christians face. Now, if you're a believer today, there's trouble that you face that people that are not believers don't face. We think, well, that's really fair. Unbelievers have two kinds of trouble. We have three kinds of trouble. And that is uh, uh, what Jesus is most likely talking about in these five chapters, specifically in chapter 16, when he tells the disciples, in this world you will have trouble. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the first uh, Christians uh, to, that he built the church on. He, he's saying to them, life is going to get a whole lot more difficult because I'm out of here. Remember, that Jesus is saying this on the night in which he's about to be betrayed, on the night that he's to be arrested and put on trial. In the morning, he will be taken to the Roman governor. He will be scourged, mocked. He will be unjustly sentenced, and he will put to death on a cross. Now, that's trouble. And the world hated him. And the world that hated Jesus is going to hate us, too, if, if, 
we live by the teachings of Jesus. I mean, we can be Christians and be generic, be vanilla, or we can be Christians that really truly live by the, uh, by the word of God and, and that we follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, we're going to have trouble in our life because we follow Jesus. You know, I had to really evaluate that in my life this week. You know, do I have troubles in my life because I truly follow Jesus? I stand up for what's right. I live my life different than the world, or do I just blend in? And, and if we truly are following the Word of God, we're going to have problems in the world because we're Christians. If we don't have troubles because we're Christians, I think we need to think about that, as I've been thinking about that. So Jesus is preparing them for that. He's preparing us also. In the world, you will have trouble. The followers of Jesus always faced trouble in the world, then and now. The world is getting more and more hostile toward Christians. You know that, right? They're getting more and more hostile toward Christians. The values of the world conflict with what Christians believe and how Jesus wants us to live. Think of all the things that the Bible says is sinful in our world that we now consider that's now considered good in the eyes of the world. We've switched to price tags. You see, our culture calls evil good and good evil. Therefore, we can count on the fact that this world, in this world, we will have trouble. It's guaranteed. But there's a big but. Glad to get through that. There's a big but statement in our text. And remember, big buts can change everything. And Jesus says, you're going to have trouble in this world, but, but what? But take heart, I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. When he said that to his disciples, that was good news. Jesus has overcome the world. That statement can be a source of strength and encouragement to all believers uh, as we're facing troubling times in our lives. Jesus assures us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now think about that. Regardless of what challenge or trouble or trial you face in the days to come or even today, Christ announced that by faith we are to take heart because whatever we're facing, he has already overcome. You might be thinking, well, he must not understand what I'm facing right now in my life. You might be thinking, if Jesus knew what I was really going through in my life right now, he wouldn't be making such a ridiculous statement as that. He absolutely faced everything that you and I will ever face in our lives, and he overcame, including the most difficult moments of our lives. When Jesus used the word trouble, which some translations use the word tribulation in the Greek, he's using a word that describes distress, affliction, or trouble that is very intense and painful. I mean, he's not talking about a flat tire when he's talking about the trouble that he overcame. He's not talking about storm damage or car breaking down. He's talking about those troubles that are very intense and very painful. I, I mean, uh, it's affliction and trouble that is intense and painful. And Jesus was saying in this statement that he had overcome all of these. 
You see, when Jesus used this word, he knew that these times of intense distress, afflictions, and trouble would not always be easy for those who chose to follow him. Yet regardless of what the world or the devil throws at us, Christ confidently stated then and today, but take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Now some translations say be of good cheer. You know, it says we will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Now the word which means uh, take heart, uh, uh, which communicates to us be courageous. In other words, we, I have, um, we will have trouble in this world, but take heart. In other words, be courageous. You're going to face trouble, but be courageous. It's a word meant to strengthen someone who's facing a hardship or a trial in life. You know, we could translate the verse more literally by reading it uh, like this. Jesus said, in this world you will go through intense distressing and troubling times, but take heart and be courageous. Take heart and be courageous. Then Jesus assured his disciples by saying, I have overcome the world. Now, overcome is the word for victory. Now, the way that this the word is used in this verse doesn't just mean a, uh, a single victory, but it means a continuous victory, both now and in the future. Therefore, it could read, I have overcome the world, I am overcoming the world, and I will always be overcoming the world. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is saying to us, I have overcome the world. Now, what that means to us is that when, we, when Jesus said those words to his disciples, he had yet been to the cross. He had, never, he had not yet been to the cross. But he knew that the cross was in his future. And he, knew, he already knew that he was going to die on the cross. And so, therefore, he was able to say, I have already overcome the world. Whoa. Well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. I have already overcome the world. I will overcome the world today, and I will overcome the world in the future. So whatever I'm facing today, Jesus is saying, I've already overcome that. What you, will, you and I will face tomorrow, Jesus is saying to us, I have already overcome, so be courageous. Take, take heart, be of good cheer, be courageous, because whatever we're ever going to face in life, today or in our future, he is saying, I've already overcome. It's victory. Therefore, you can read, I have overcome the world, I am overcoming the world, and I will always be overcoming the world. You see, even if it seems like the entire world is against us, and you know, there are times I feel that way, and I'm sure you do. And, and we feel like that the world or someone in the world is just trying to take us out, like that thing there made me think that. <laughs> you see, you can hold on to the promise that Jesus has overcome the world that he is overcoming the world, and he will always overcome the world, which brings me to the second guarantee in this passage of Scripture. Not only this passage, but the last five, which is peace. Peace. It's guaranteed. When we're facing these intense, distressing times of trouble, if we'll go back to the beginning of verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have Peace, thank you. Even though you're a cowboy fan, you're paying attention. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have. So, you don't believe that? I have told you these things so that you may have. Good. I wanted to move on, but I wasn't going to move on until we got it. So we may have peace. So what Jesus is doing after laying out the difficulty, uh, difficulties his followers would face after his leaving, he said, the reason I'm telling you this is so that you can have peace. Now, you know, when if you, sometimes if you could just knew, if you just, I'm saying sometimes when you know what's going to happen, then you can expect it to happen, and it doesn't mess with you as much. You know, what he's saying to the disciples, hey, I've laid it out. I spent all this time telling you what's going to be, how it's going to be, what's the future's going to be, and I'm telling you that I've already overcome all that. So he's saying to you, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Take heart. Be of courage. Be of good cheer. Be courageous. Because you know what's going to happen. He said, the reason I'm telling you all this is so that you can have peace. So take heart. I've overcome, and enjoy the peace of God. Why? Because you know what's coming. And you can know ahead of time that I've already overcome it all. Now, to fully understand this in context, uh, you go back to chapter 12, as I said, because that's where the conversation began. And then in John 14, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, peace, the peace of God found in Christ. The peace, the peace of God is found in Christ. This peace which the world cannot give. I can tell you if you're going through troubles now and you try to remedy that problem, that trouble you're going through with something that the world offers, it most likely it's not going to help. You see, even in the middle of intense, distressing trouble, we have peace, comfort, and quiet for our soul. In the world, you will have trouble. In Christ, we will have peace, guaranteed, guaranteed. This, is, this peace is a reality. Even if we can't see it, even if we don't feel it, this, this is the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ, uh, that this is the peace of God that Christ has guaranteed. And he guaranteed it by his death and resurrection, death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb. You see, Jesus made peace. When Jesus died on the cross, he made peace between uh, heaven and earth, between God and man. Our sins had separated us from God. We were by nature's enemies of God. But God, but Jesus now has reconciled us back to God. There was, a, there was a chasm between us and God. And when Jesus died on the cross, he closed that chasm and he made it possible for sinners like you and I through the blood of Jesus Christ to have peace with God and to be reconciled with God and there's no longer a separation between God. He created us to be in fellowship with him and when he died on the cross, we now, if we believe in Jesus Christ, can have fellowship with God through his son Jesus Christ and therefore establishing peace. Someone once said the cross, therefore, is our bridge across troubled waters. And when we are experiencing trouble of any sort, we know that we have peace with God. And if we can know that we have peace with God, it can change everything. 
It can change everything. You see, God is at peace with us. Think about that. The God, the creator of the universe, is at peace with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we are at peace with God. And the Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's a reality. Nothing. So regardless of what we are facing today, we can hold fast to that knowledge by faith. Jesus has already overcome this world by his death and resurrection, and he lives in us to help us enjoy the victory we possess in the middle of whatever we are facing. Because of that, we can enjoy peace with God. I hope you're getting that. You know, because I can tell you when trouble comes my way, I don't have the kind of peace that I want to have. And this message is a message that's really for me. Maybe not so much for you. This trouble I'm talking about is not about the fact that I'm stepping out of here into the next phase of life. But you know, I, I started out the week and I was a half, nearly halfway finished with a message I was going to preach on Joseph. And I was up at one morning, four o'clock, and I was doing my devotionals and the Lord said, you're not speaking on Joseph. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> And he said, no, you're not, not like that, but that's kind of what this thing was going on in my mind. And God directed me right to this verse of Scripture. In this world, you will have trouble. But buddy, if you'll take heart, if you'll be good cheer, if you'll be courageous, you'll overcome. Because I've overcome. And you can find peace in the midst of the storms and troubles of life. So the next time, maybe the next time, that we face trouble, we should respond. I saw this on Leonard Sweet's, uh, something of his. Uh, he had this video posted uh, that should respond like this group of Irish travelers. Their, their, uh, their flight was delayed. Now, how do we act when our flight's delayed? I mean, oh, gosh, my flight's delayed. And we're up here, yeah, 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 yeah. got to get me to the next flight, next flight, next flight. You know, I don't want to miss that meeting. Well, I can tell you one thing about me. The one thing I will never miss when I leave here is another meeting. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> Whew. Anyway, here's how they respond in their trouble with a flight delay. And maybe we could learn something about how to respond with the peace of God when we're facing trouble. Here it goes. I'll quit talking. <laughs> What do you think? Yeah. Did you see the guy in the blue? He was still ticked that the flight was delayed. And, it, and his wife wanted to get into it, but she's a little bit afraid to. She's like. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if we could respond to trouble similar to that? You see, that's what living in the peace of God could look like in our lives. And I'm not saying I'm there when faced with trouble. 
And it's all because the peace that was won by Jesus Christ on the cross. He has overcome the world. He forgives our sins. The peace he gives is greater than our troubles. His peace is greater than our feelings. The peace can be ours today, yours today, and it will get you through tomorrow. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep our hearts and minds on Christ Jesus. Trouble, but peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have overcome. You've overcome the world. You've overcome, Father, so that we could be overcomers and live in peace. So I pray today, Father, that you would help us, those of us today who are facing trouble in their lives. God, and some raise their hand today. I pray for each one. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to grab hold of the fact that whatever we're facing today, Father, you've overcome, and we can live in peace, knowing that victory is ours. Father, I pray for those that, uh, Lord, that uh, are facing that today. And maybe you're here today, and peace with God begins with having a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing him, acknowledging him as Savior, and inviting him into your life to be your Savior, seeking forgiveness of your sins. And when we do that, we have peace with God. We are no longer separated with God. We're now friends with God, no longer enemies of God, but friends with him. If you'd like to know Jesus Christ today, I don't know where you're at, but maybe you'd like to make peace with God. Would you pray this prayer with me? You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it in your heart. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. And then you say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, the prayer doesn't save you. It's the faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. And now, if you prayed that prayer today, you now have peace with God. You have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. And the cross becomes our bridge over troubled waters. So if you prayed that prayer today, I'd invite you to stop by the table as you leave. There's a table set up that says, accepted Jesus, and stop by there and talk to the pastor just for a moment. He has something for you, she, and just stop by there. Father, I thank you for those who gave their life to Christ today. I believe, Lord, there are at least one here or online today that received you as their Savior. And I pray your blessings upon them. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in a moment, we're going to worship together before we leave. As we stand, and if you just feel like you want to come up and pray today, you know, you got troubles, it's distressing, and just going through painful, they're very intense, or it's just a problem you're dealing with. And you want to come up and just you know, pray here and just be assured by God that he has overcome and ask him to help you to overcome and you just want to pray. And uh, you can do that as we worship together uh, if you feel led to do that. Let's stand and let's worship together.
what you've done here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that throughout this week, we will remember how we've heard from you today. And so, Father, there's no doubt that all of us will meet up with troubles at one time or another, but we have your promises. We have you. And because of that, we have hope. And so, Father, thank you so much for your presence here this morning. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for being here. Come back again next week and bring a friend. See you then.